New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Michael Mead, a storyteller, a scholar of mythology, and the author of many, many books, including Awakening the Soul, A Deep Response to a Troubled World. Michael, welcome. Good to be back with you, Justine. It's great to have you. You remind us that each person by nature is a unique being, and that each is capable of awakening in the sense of knowing their meaning and purpose in life, and therefore in some way can affect the condition of the world. So please share with us how connecting with the soul's purpose can help heal our current cultural and planetary challenges. So the philosophical argument is, is there a soul, and is it aimed at something, or are we empty inside? That's the basic thing. Modern thought sometimes says you can't prove it, therefore it's not there. I go by ancient stories, the narratives of the human psyche and the human soul, which shows that each person is imbued with gifts and with meaning that are intended to be brought to the world. And the thread of that inner aspect of themselves is tied to the soul of the world as well, which is probably the root of all imagination And in a time like this, when nature's in crisis, when culture's in crisis, what's lacking is imagination, and imagination is the deepest power of the soul. So the more people who can awaken to what their soul is aimed at, the more people that can find their kind of genius path and arrive at a place where they can heal something that needs healing, whether that's uh, a river system in nature or healing actual sick people in culture. Or healing their family, working within their family. Within their family, working with people that are dying, working with those that are being born. These are all natural gifts that people have. And the more people awaken to those inner sense of giftedness and find ways to give it to the world, all of the problems that are existing at one time now, because that's the moment we're living in, could be attended to not by a new belief system, not by someone being heroically in charge, but by, I call it, living in the truth of their own soul. And therefore, healing happens in small ways in many places. Imagination wakes up in many places and new ideas occur. You know, Michael, when we look at all the troubles, and they're so big, then I think this is what you're saying. Each of us has a sphere of influence, whatever that is. Some of us, it's seemingly a small sphere, Maybe it's within our family or a neighborhood, and others might be on a bigger stage. But it really doesn't matter because we don't know the effect we're having, no matter what it is. So no matter what our sphere of influence is, it's you're saying contribute to that sphere in a good way. Yes, and in the book there's a whole story about the youth and the elders. And imagine someone who's getting older and doing the local work that's the meaningful thing. 
It comes from their heart. It comes from their soul. They're helping the poor or whatever they happen to have chosen to do. And they have an effect on, let's say, a younger person who's in a struggling time of their life. That younger person goes on and lives and does meaningful things that they never see, and yet they helped engender. And that's the idea of Dharma and serving something beyond oneself and giving in a meaningful way, even if you can't see any reward coming back to you in a simple way. And so we're living in that time where we need to serve things beyond ourselves. And it's not just giving in some selfless way. That's okay if someone can manage it. It's also that we receive the blessing when we give the blessing. And I don't think we can wait around for those in charge to begin to figure it out. I don't think it's like that. I think it is way more local, and the local is the path to the universal. And I know, Michael, that one of the activities that you do, the thread of your own destiny, has to do with working with young people. That is your soul's calling. You've been working with youth for a long time now. Probably for 35 years or so. So what's the origin of that and what does that entail? Well, when I was young, I was a troubled youth like everybody else I knew. And then when I kind of came into my own a little bit, I realized, you know, that I was a storyteller and that I had this strange job to do, you know, or great work. It's both things. And I had a chance to give back. I went right back to working with youth because I remember what it was like to be a young person and desperately trying to find out, am I worth anything? Do I have anything to give? Can anybody see my actual essence or hear what I'm trying to say? And I got very little blessing, I would say. That was the story I told myself. But when I examined it, some of those things were really important. And I thought if I could just go and connect with young people and maybe confirm some qualities in them. And really what happened is I started to work with uh, violent gangs. And I would go back to a neighborhood and they'd say, oh, so-and-so, remember them? They're gone now. And I began to realize that when I was talking to a young person, it might be the only time I ever talked to them Maybe no one has ever told them that they have value and meaning. People are always saying to young people, make something of yourself. I say to young people, you already are something. And that something that you are is something that the world needs. And I figured out that one word for that was genius. And so I just started to, when I was with young people, try to see if I could get a hint of their genius. But even if I couldn't, I would just say to them directly, you know that you are born with something called the genius that's unique to you and that will give you a meaningful path in life if you can follow it and that will also give you satisfaction and allow you to contribute to the world. And I can tell you, surprisingly, the toughest gang members say, what are you saying, man? Would you say it again? Uh-huh. And, and you can just watch young people's eyes light up. And I've worked with suicidal young people, and that's a real tragedy in this culture. It's a big problem. It's more pervasive than any of us really realize, I think. And one, one of the issues there is a young person can feel something needs to die, this is too painful, and they confuse the something with their whole self when it really is a part of them that needs to die as it would happen in the old initiations that all cultures used to do. And a part does have to die so they can have a greater life, but they confuse the dying of a part with the dying of themselves. And so, again, I learned to talk to young people really directly. Someone says they're desperate or mentioned suicide, I engage them right away and try to get down to what's going on. You don't brush that off. I take it very seriously and stop everything to try and help them find, you know, the the flame of their own heart or the thread of their own life. You spoke briefly about initiation. Mm. So I know that, that that's a very important part of your work. 
Do we have any initiations that are available to us in modern culture here or postmodern world? Well, some of us when we were growing up heard that the initiation is when you get your driver's license. <laughs> I find that a little mundane, and not to mention what it does to the oil <laughs> industry. But you could say there's two levels of initiation. One is like the indoctrination into one's culture. That could be one's local culture. That could be one's church culture. That could be one's educational system. That's a certain level. What I'm talking about is the deeper level where the archetype of initiation means the revealing of oneself to oneself. So the first entry into the world is as the infant coming into the world and the eyes open and you see the amazing world around them or the troubling world around them, whatever story they're in. And then there's supposed to be a second birth, usually in youth. I write about this in the book where the eyes of the soul open. They used to call it the eyes of initiation, the awakening of something deep that already has its own sense of direction and sees the world not generally, but very specifically. There's knowledge inside the soul, but it has to wake up. And so many ancient cultures would create initiatory rites of passage to help the girl and the boy wake up to who they're intended to be. We don't have that formal initiation anymore. We're probably not going to have it for a while. It's a very tricky thing to formulate. But on an archetypal level, the soul is looking for its initiation. So what I've been doing in youth work, but also Elders need to be initiated in order to wake up from being an older to being a genuine elder. So I've worked with elders and tribal groups and so on as well. And what I'm doing is saying, this is something the soul will never forget. It's an archetype. So if the culture has forgotten what initiation is, the soul hasn't forgotten. And so anytime a person is in trouble, they're in a potential initiation. And so what we do is bring everything we know about healing and learning to people when they're in trouble. So, Michael, when you talk about that soul's purpose and waking up the eyes, opening again, I know that in the book, Awakening the Soul, you have many myths and folk tales. We learn from stories. We ingest them. It's like a nourishment for us. It's more than information. It's something deeper than that that you offer us in the telling of all these tales. And one of the things that you point out in one of the tales is that we are all guaranteed at least once and probably many more times in our life Mm -hmm. an opportunity to truly tap into that destiny, that fate, that thread of our own genius. There's a moment that happens that we can recognize that. Help us to see the truth of that. So try to understand how this works. I remember being in situations where someone, you know, a learned person is saying, well, some people are geniuses and some people are not. And it hit me the wrong way. You can't have two classes of humanity, not really. So either everyone has some genius thread or some capacity for genius, or this isn't fair at all. And then similar to that, in order to make that genuine, I think, there's the old idea that everybody is given at least one view of the meaning of their own life, one moment of awakening, or else the whole thing is not fair. And so the problem is 
a person can have a moment of awakening and realize who they are at their essence, but their family could be opposed to that or their community could be unable to recognize the beauty of that. And the initiation was so that it would be shared with others and the others would do the confirming, which is really the blessing of the genius in each person. And imagine if each girl and each boy in a moment of true awakening was blessed by older people who could give a genuine, compassionate blessing to their life. So the old image was inside each person's heart, there's a candle, and it's a single candle with the flame. And that's the flame of genius or the the light of awakening. And it grows two ways. One way, when I awaken and realize, oh, that's my life. Oh, I get it. I'm supposed to be a storyteller. Oh, I'm in a culture that doesn't know what a storyteller is. Oh, I'm supposed to be a storyteller anyway. That causes the light to burn a little brighter. And then when someone else looks at it, especially in a vulnerable moment, and says, here's a blessing. The blessing is I see what's inside you. I see the gift that you're bringing to the world and I'm blessing it. Then the flame grows brighter. And so the mentoring is related to the idea of this initiation and awakening of the inner eyes of the soul. And the person begins to see the world from their own viewpoint of their soul, which changes it, makes it much more possible to tolerate scary things and all because the soul has its resources and its ways of living. And I'm saying, and I'm writing in the book saying, we're in two initiations at the same time, I think. More people are being called to awaken to their own individual genius path because the world needs it so badly. And when enough of that happens, then you get a collective initiation. And then we can wind up in a world that is not as damaged as this world or the collapse is going on. But the more we awaken, the more we could contribute to the renewal of the world. So what I'm getting to is that we can really contribute to the lives of others as we witness the genius of others, as people start to express even a little bit of some of this spark. Young people are trying to be seen and trying to be heard. Older people are, too, because it wasn't happening culturally. Yes. It can happen at any age. But just think about the natural thing of a young person trying to wake up. It's the second birth. And this birth is the psychological conscious awakening of who I am. And the old idea is whoever you are is valuable by its very nature. And you have gifts to give. I was talking about working with gangs, and and I meet this young gang leader who's really, really tough, but when he's cursing everybody out, it's almost Shakespearean. And I'm realizing, I know there's this whole gang life going on, but I think this person has a gift of language. And so when the opportunity occurs, I say, you know, do you know that you have a a gift of language? And and he said, well, how do you know that? And I said, because you curse creatively. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's this unusual conversation where I'm talking about this instinctive use of language. I mean, long story short, many years go by, he winds up making it to college and studying literature and eventually becomes a very smart storyteller who does mentoring as well. So Wow, that's great. Oh, Michael, we could go on and on, but I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. I'm happy to be part of it. Thank you. I've been speaking with Michael Mead. He is a storyteller, as you can hear, and a scholar of mythology and the author of many books, including... Awakening the Soul, A Deep Response to a Troubled World. And he has many podcasts on his website and other wonderful information and lists of many of his books, audio recordings, all sorts of things. So his website is 
mosaicvoices.org, mosaicvoices.org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.